Hey, hello again, everybody. Uh, this is Scott. And this is Brad. And this is Not About Us. Hey, thank you for coming one more time. This will be, as Brad just informed me, our 17th podcast in the book of Genesis. And I've just decided by now that uh, I'm no good at introductions, so I'm, I'm just going to start off every podcast by just jumping right in for the most part. Um, that is something, you, if you haven't figured out by listening to me now, that's my temperament. I'm just sort of focused on the meat of the thing. What are we here for? The presentation is all but irrelevant uh, to me, and I have difficulty sometimes caring about the pomp and circumstance just get to the point uh so sometimes i have difficulty and and uh i i need to be made aware sometimes that there is a purpose to that and i should put more effort into it but for right now i'm not gonna uh so anyway as i said i like to get right into the meat of a thing so brad why don't you get into the real purpose of what we're here for and just Invite Yahweh in to, to be the central figure in this podcast today. Yahweh God, once again, we're going to sit down and we're going to do the 17th Genesis study. But, as always, we're not going to be able to do that without your help. So please, please, Yahweh God, be our invited guest. Take the seat of honor and help us. Help us tell our listeners the things you want us to tell them. Help us find the truths that you want us to find. And as always, we pray and we hope that this is bringing you glory and honor. Because this is, as always, only about you. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for that. Well, uh, we are in Genesis chapter 3, if you've been following along. And if you haven't been following along, we're still in Genesis 3. So I don't even know why I said that. But that's okay. Let's keep going here. We ended last time with Genesis 3, 17 through 19. And unto Adam he said, Because you have hearkened unto the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the earth for your sake. In toil shall you eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face shall you eat bread till you return unto the earth, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and unto dust shall you return. So we're wrapping up God's rebuke to, now that was specifically to Adam, but we wrapped up uh, last time God's rebuke to everyone. Uh, everyone involved in this, the serpent, woman, uh, and man. So now he's done with the rebuke. Something that's interesting to me here, we're not going to get into the verse where God kicks them out of the garden, but uh, something I found interesting here is in these next two verses that I'm going to go over right now, I'm just going to do Genesis 3, 20 and 21. Let me read them right here real quick. And the man called his wife's name Havah, because she was the mother of all living. 
And Yahweh Elohim made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. This is another thing that I had to wrap my mind around. Uh, I mean, it's right here in the Bible. It's, it's, it's easily explained. I should have caught this all my life. But I kind of had this feeling growing up that Adam and Eve, they got their skins made and, and Adam calls his wife Eve and this is sort of after they're kicked out of the garden. But they're not actually kicked out yet. We, we don't get to that until uh, verse uh, Genesis 3.22. He starts to say, hey, hey, we, we can't be having this. And Genesis 3.23, he actually sends them forth from the Garden of Eden. They're still in Eden at this point. And, and it's just things like that that I have to focus on. There's a detail there that's important. Uh, it's just something to consider as we move forward. But as of this moment, they're still in the garden. And when I do my own studies and actually read the word, it amazes me how many times, just like that, I had a preconceived idea of the event or the story, and it was it was wrong. Yeah. And I think, I think that just comes from um, traditions. Um, we read very simplified... Bible stories when we're kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, just I think all of that media and all of that stuff that's not actually the Word of God gets in there, and so we just have this preconceived idea of of how this happened and what went down. That's why I, I love what we're doing here because mm-hmm. uh, already in your own study, you've at least a dozen times at this point made me go, "Oh, I had that wrong," or at least I wasn't <laughs> thinking about it the right yeah. way. Uh, yeah, and, and this one for me, I kind of attributed this to my own imagination in the sense that I didn't pay it that close study. It was just the picture in my mind formed, and I just ran with it. I didn't focus on, no, what what are the facts of the situation and stick to that. I just kind of went, and there I go. That You know, <laughs> that's my picture, and, and I'm off. And there he goes. Okay. Yeah. Reel <laughs> him back in. But... It is something, the, the, and that's the main reason. What Brad just talked about is the reason I point this out is when we're going after God, we're, we need to focus on all the little details that he gave us. They're all important. They're there for a reason. Uh, sometimes people tend to have a, uh, to a reaction to something like this and go, oh, what's the big deal? Who cares? Well, God you know, there, there's a specific reason. It's in the order that it is. There's a specific reason he said what he said. And we need to care. He didn't just say it, you know, just to fill pages. Like he'd been given an assignment by his teacher. You've got to have 5,000 words. Come on, God, you're only at 4,300. You know, put put more, you know, this is not your final piece. Add more to it. Uh, everything is so precise. Like we've said before, uh, when the Bible says every jot and tittle is in place, I mean, that it literally translates every letter, every punctuation mark is in its perfect place. So why? We have to ask ourselves why. And this is just one of those little things that I don't have a specific answer for right now, but I noticed and I realize it's important. Oh, another thing I want to point out really quick is I've I've gone through I started going through and re-listening to all of the older podcasts recently 
And Brad made a joke when we were starting that uh, this is our season one. And, uh, you know, season one on any show that you love that lasts for many, many seasons is always the worst. Or in the sense that they're, they're trying to figure themselves out. It's not that it's bad, but they're trying to figure out their place. They're trying to figure out their way. Well, I think we've mentioned this before on podcasts, haven't we, Brad? On various pod- conversation pieces? Yeah, very first few. Yeah. Just filling out how we were doing this and, and explaining ourselves yeah. a little better. And that's one of the reasons I listen to the old ones is not because I'm full of myself and I love to hear my voice, but I, I go through and I go, where did I screw up? How can I fix it? Uh, and, and if you'll notice, if you're on our website, I'm, I've even started making comments in the bottom. I messed up here. Uh, this, this was wrong. Uh, you know, things like that. Because again, it's important to me to be right. So, uh, and I just had the feeling, you know, as I'm listening to these, you know, like, I, I hope we're getting to the point where it's like, hey, we're in season two now. <laughs> I don't know uh, uh, where that will be if it happens, but I, I do feel like, wow, I, I kind of listen to my early ones and go, I, I was kind of messed up there. <laughs> Now, you just wait until our season three cliffhanger. Woo! <laughs> They're going to be talking about that one for a decade. Woohoo! But, uh, yeah, it, it's just a cool feeling to me to know that uh, things are getting better. And, and I just appreciate God so much for just opening my eyes to everything. Uh, uh, not just Genesis, but, you know, he's, that he's constantly teaching me and leading me one step at a time. And, and, and the reason I mention that here is because, again, we've said it before, I hope you're doing your own Bible study. I hope you're seeking yourself. Uh, I'm thankful that we can be a part. I'm thankful that we can encourage you and help you. Uh, but I hope you're doing it yourself. You don't have to be perfect to start. I look back on some of those early ones, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I was talking way too fast. I was so energetic and so excited about this, and I'm just talking like this, and i got to get through, and I'm sitting here in my mind thinking, oh, my goodness, I've got one hour and 45 minutes worth of stuff. I've got to try to fit into 50 minutes. Let's do this really quick. Let's move. And I sound like someone bumped the record player up a speed, and, and, and it sounds crazy to me sometimes. Anyway, that's off the track. Let's get back into Genesis here. Genesis 3.20, and the man called his wife's name Hava because she was the mother of all living. Now, first of all, let me say I'm intentionally mispronouncing it there uh, because in the English translation that I have, which is still the Hebraic Roots version, uh, for those of you who are following along, you know that's what I use, it causes, it looks like H-A-V-A-H is how it spells it. And that looks like in English it should be pronounced Hava. But this is actually a Hebrew word pronounced Kava, as if it should be spelled with a K. So I'm going to try to use Kava from now on, but because they spell it in English, H-A-V-A-H, I may slip into Hava. So please understand, either way, I mean the same person. Um... But the first thing that jumped out at me here, and I might I may use Eve too. We all know her as Eve in, in United States of America. But Eve, Hava, Kava, this woman, <laughs> whatever we decide to call her, 
she was named after the fall. Now, we've mentioned this before, that before the fall, it was just Adam and Adam. Uh, Adam, the singular being, before he was split, before the rib was taken out, we've talked about this before, Adam was the fullness of the picture of God in one. God said, let us make a man in our image, and he did. And Adam, the singular being, was that image of the triune God. Then splits Adam, takes the rib out, takes the feminine side out of Adam, but they're both Adam. They're both the singular being just divided now into two pieces. This right here, he doesn't name her He doesn't give her a separate name until after the fall. And that had significance to me because the intimacy was broken with God. And here is kind of a picture of that in the the sense that before the fall, Adam and Adam were one. I mean, they were one in name. They were one in in spirit. They, they They were intended to be seen as, as, as God and man, the way we're supposed to be, united, coming together, one in purpose, one in spirit, one in love, one in being. I mean, guys, people are supposed to see Jesus in us. We're, we're supposed to be so in, in tune with him, so in sync, so wrapped up in him that when people look at us, they see Jesus. This is the picture, Adam and Adam. And now after the fall, they are divided. She gets her own name. And I, it just struck me as very sad that she does. I don't know, Brad, what do you think about that? Just kind of throwing it out there. No, I'm kind of in agreement when you explain it that way. I'd always wondered why uh, was she named after the punishment? You know, I, I never, I, that was one thing I'd always kind of struggle with myself. But what you're painting here, yeah, it's, it's kind of like what we talked about last study. It's tragic, but beautiful at the same time. It's yeah. tragic because we understand why, and we understand that this separation of, between us and God is not good, not good at all. But beautiful in a way because you can see now that there is the plan to bring it back together Mm -hmm. you know so yes tragic but also beautiful in a way now i get what you're saying i i know i know what you mean the fact that like we've said before you you can see the entire plan from the beginning from brechit uh from genesis you can see the entire story uh, of God, uh, and in the entirety of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, you can see his plan. Uh, and so, yeah, there is that beauty in the sense that God knew, and God was already caring and already had our salvation in in place, and, and to God, who exists out of time, finished. It was already done to him. But yeah, it's this Right here, this this name, Eve, Hava, Kava. They were one before, and now they're divided. 
uh, to me, that was just a picture of that. You know, Eve is now her own separate entity, so to speak. I mean, they're literally still each a piece of God, uh, but just that picture of now you're no longer Adam. You're, you're, you're Kavah. Yeah, though you, can, you can't fully be complete again until mm-hmm. God makes it complete again. Yeah. Now, Kava, I'll try to stick with that uh, just, for, just for the purpose of staying, sticking with one word. Uh, Kava means life giver. And this is one of those things. I've mentioned it in earlier podcasts. I, I hated those times when I was a kid reading things like this. And the man called his wife's name Kava because she was the mother of all living. And I'm sitting there going, what do you mean because? I don't, I don't get the connection here. Now I can look in. I can dig in and say, what is the Hebrew? And the Hebrew meaning of Kava is life giver. So it makes more sense. And the man called his wife's name Life Giver because she was the mother of all living. It's like, okay, now that makes <laughs> sense to me. This also speaks, this verse right here, speaks to the idea we've put out before that Eve is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And I've heard it said before from different preachers that when you're talking about the Trinity... Uh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They've said it like this. I, I thought it was a cool idea. The Father thought it. Yeshua spoke it. The Holy Spirit did it. And and here we have Eve being called life giver. And I saw that as a picture of, it's like when you think of creation, if you want to think of it as uh, God, Yahweh, the Father, put the idea together, had the concept, had the plan. Jesus spoke as the word, spoke the plan. The Holy Spirit uh, actually put it into motion. Uh, I don't know if that's exactly how it happened. I'm just kind of throwing it out there because of this. Uh, Things like this where we see the Holy Spirit uh, analogously through Eve, I hope I said that word correctly, uh, analogously, I have no idea if I'm making that word up right now, but um, is Eve a picture of the Holy Spirit? And if here, if so, she's being portrayed as the life giver, as the mother of all living. Getting into that, oh, well, first of all, let's check out the word picture on Kava. Real quick. This oh, is go off, ahead. Off track, but of course the women get stuff done. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. This picture that you're painting, it, it, it just, yes, there's the evidence. <laughs> women get stuff done. So that's, that's <laughs> not off track. That, that, no, I, that is a picture God put into us uh, Himself. We can see God through His creation. And you're right. The there there's a there's a they're the ones who give birth. Uh, they're the ones who who you're right. They they get stuff done at home. Uh, at least we're talking historically speaking. For those of you who think I'm being sexist, no, I'm talking about through the thousands of years of history. 
from a historical, factual standpoint, they're the ones who accomplish. The, oh my goodness! Sorry for that ding. My computer. I gotta shut my volume off. My bad. Sorry. Okay, volume's off. Uh, you know they are. They're the ones who get things done. Uh, you could say the men go out to war. The men go out and farm. The men go out and hunt. But the women are the ones who get things done right here where it needs to be done with the family, with the home. That is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And the word picture for kavah, chet, vav, he. And I liked this. Uh, the word, The interpretation I came up with Behold, those cut off are now joined together. And again, it spoke what we've been talking about. From the beginning, the plan, the final solution was already in place. And the Holy Spirit, Eve, as the mother of all living, uh, being the physical representation, the Holy Spirit finally you know, joining us back together. When Jesus came and died and sent the Holy Spirit, it that's what reconnected us individually back to God. So now, a couple things to point out. I'm kind of, I'm reiterating old old things. I'm, I'm bringing them back. We've already gone over in previous podcasts the word for mother, uh, which is Strong's Concordance number 517. Oh, and by the way, I don't think I ever said... Kava is Strong's Concordance number 2332. Uh, for those of you wanting to know or uh, keeping track of that, I want to make sure I throw that out there so you can find it yourself. But mother, Strong's Concordance number 517 is pronounced aim. And it means mother as the bond of the family in a wide sense, both literally and figuratively. And it also refers to a dam, that which holds the water back. And living. We've mentioned this a couple times. It's the same word used for beasts. It's the same word used in the tree of life, and it is kai. Uh, it's Strong's Concordance number 2416, uh, and it can mean alive. It can also mean fresh plant, fresh water, fresh year. It can mean congregation or multitude. So these two, uh, mother and living, because Ad, I'm sorry, Kava is named that way because she's the mother of all living. And I want to see Isaiah 66, 13. As one whom his mother comforts, so will I comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Yerushalayim. This is talking about Yahweh, and it's describing Yahweh as a mother. Genesis 2.24, which we've covered in earlier podcasts, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And we talked about how that represents Jesus leaving his father Yahweh and his mother Yahweh, the Holy Spirit, and coming to earth and joining together with us it's just kind of reinforcing this fact that Eve is a picture of the feminine side of God, the Holy Spirit in all of this. 
The same Hebrew word aim is used in all of these places where they're talking about a mother. And so there's not really much more to it in that verse that I want to get into. But Brad, any thoughts on on Eve as the mother of all living, as this picture of the Holy Spirit? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, I guess the only thing is... I see a tragic picture continuing on. So yes, she's going to be the the mother of all living, but her very first children don't necessarily have a great outcome. And so I just yeah. I know I, I'm 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 getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. No, that's but, okay. This is a good place to go. But I see that I see that tragic picture continuing, um, all the way all the way down the line. Unfortunately. Um, so yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kind of caught up in that right at this moment. No, that's a very good place. When you realize that Eve does is a picture of the Holy Spirit, and imagine how Eve felt when her children, her first two children, I mean, one murdered the other, so one's dead, and then the other one, whom she still loved, is this horrible person, is this murderer, and is and is banished by God and sent out, Imagine her pain and her torment, and now imagine the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Bible says that that we should not grieve the Holy Spirit, and I've often wondered about that. Why didn't it say we should grieve the Son? Why didn't she? Why did it? Why did it specify the Holy Spirit? Why did it not say the Father? Why did it not just say God as a whole? Why did it specify the Holy Spirit? And I think it's a part of this, what we're talking about, is this feminine side of God, this, this motherly side of God. Uh, I mean, does that to say Adam didn't care? No. There's just, there's a different understanding. Uh, men and women, we all see it. We all live it. You know, every day in, in our lives, there's no denying that it's there. But this, this motherly instinct, losing her kids... Imagine God, the Holy Spirit, feeling that way about us, about all of us who are suffering, but also loving those who are causing the suffering, because we're her kids too. And I say we, because I've been a victim, I've also been a perpetrator. We all have. Uh, I'm, I'm the one being murdered. I'm also the murderer. And, and to know that I caused the Holy Spirit that suffering that Eve is feeling for Cain and Abel, that is a, a sobering thing. I suppose that's the best word to use. Yeah. So Genesis 3.21 says, And Yahweh Elohim made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Now the first thing that jumped out at me with this verse was just the simple fact that after Adam and Eve have sinned and they've separated themselves from God's direct presence, they've, they've put this barrier of sin between them, they're no longer perfect and pure and sinless, he's still providing for them. Yahweh did not leave them to their own devices. Yahweh is still upholding his part of the covenant. 
He will never walk away from us. We may walk away from him, but he will never stop doing his part. He clothed them. This is also important. This is also important to note. Their their very first clothing here. Uh, now you can say, wait, they made fig leaves for themselves. You know, they made themselves a covering. But uh, this is important to note that God is providing this this covering, this clothing, this uh, this. What's the I, I I I boy I'm stuttering and stammering here because I can't I can't piece exactly what's going on in my mind but this if you can imagine he, he's he's covering their sin now I want to get into that that's very important I guess covering was the best word I'll just mm-hmm. go on from there uh, clothing is a protection and a comfort we all know it's used metaphorically for many reasons in the Bible. So it takes on greater significance to say it was God that clothed them and not they that clothed themselves. God had covenant with Adam. And we've talked about this in other podcasts. I'm not sure if it was in Genesis or if it was in conversation podcasts or elsewhere. But in covenant, when a covenant is broken, it requires a sacrifice of someone, a sinless party to the covenant to to get that covenant back. It either requires the death of the offending party or it requires a replacement. And right here, we see God killed an animal. I, I had never really paid attention to that before. I mean, I knew that he did, but I never really cared why. I just thought it was practical. All right, here, yeah, there's, there's clothing for you. This is a picture, to me anyway, uh, it might not be correct, but I see this as a picture of the blood sacrifice required to cover them. And God, again, prophetically, provided it himself. This would mean that the very first blood sacrifice ever made was also prophetic of God providing himself as the sacrifice. I don't know. What what do you think of that, Brad? It makes sense. I mean, we've talked about the perfection of God and his plan. And uh, if you haven't listened to the Ark of the Covenant podcast, give that one a listen because you'll see some pretty perfect stuff that God did in there. But uh, it, it, it does. It makes perfect sense. I, I totally am on board with what you're saying. Yeah. So the very first blood sacrifice ever didn't come uh, on the Ark of the Covenant, didn't come on an altar of man, didn't, wasn't killed by man. It was killed by God. It was provided by God for man. I mean, that just speaks of the whole, uh, that, that prophetically speaks of God being the sacrifice. He, God providing the sacrifice himself. And it shows, we talked about the in the previous study when we talked about the fig leaves, that that was a pale imitation of what God could do. Well, then that goes on to show that our sacrificing uh, of animals, our sacrificing the lambs and rams, is also a pale imitation of what God can mm-hmm. do. Yeah. I, I see, yeah, I see a connection there. Now, garments... 
that we said here, uh, uh, Yahweh Elohim made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins. The King James Version uses the word coats. Uh, this is Strong's Concordance number 3801, and it can be pronounced one of two ways. Uh, Kethoneth, or it can be pronounced Kutoneth. And it really comes down to, in the middle of that word is the letter Tav, which can be pronounced Tav or Thav. Uh, hard T or like a the, the th, uh, or like, like you'd say thing. Uh, so it can be pronounced either way, Kethoneth or Kutoneth. And it means a shirt. Uh, it comes from an unused root meaning to cover. It can also mean coat, garment, or robe. So in this case, you know, the Hebraic roots version used garment. I don't believe the King James Version was wrong in using coats. Just kind of uh, it, either one can be used here. But then the word picture, kaf, tav, nun, and tav, there's an, a possible interpretation I came up with is the covenant covers, the covenant sprouts new life. And I liked that because going back to this idea that God is the one who gave them this, this clothing, this covering. God covered them, and it's his part of the covenant. He's still, he's still following his part of the covenant, even though Adam broke his side. God is still faithful to his side. And again, the covenant covers the covenant sprouts new life. It all prophetically points back to the fact that he knows Jesus is coming. Jesus is the sinless sacrifice that is going to cover man's sins, that is going to, to bring man back to this place of new life. Which is the beautiful part of the picture. <laughs> yeah. Bringing us back. <laughs> now, skins. I also looked that up. And it's Strong's Concordance number 5785. And it's pronounced or, uh, like you'd think of as iron ore, or, uh, or, or that word right there, and, but, or. Uh, and it means skin. By implication, hide or leather. And something, I don't really have a conclusion to this, but something I noted is... It's spelled, no, no, it's not spelled. It's, um, it's, it sounds exactly the same as or, the word for light. It's spelled differently. I was about to say it was spelled the same, but no, it's spelled differently. Um, but it sounds exactly the same as light. I don't really have a conclusion to that. I just noticed it and just kind of wondered if there's a connection uh, or something we can, we can, pull from that. But the word picture is ayin, vav, resh. And a possible interpretation I had for this is experience joining together with the sun. And the sun being the sun of the father, not, not sun, S-U-N, the sun in the sky. And I, I appreciated that because, again, Experience the joining together with the Son. When Jesus came, he had to come 
in skin. He had to come as a man. He put on skin. He put on flesh for us in order to be one with us, in order to join with us. And and I don't know. I just liked that that word play there. Yeah. Me too. Something else I noticed, and again, don't really have a conclusion, but it is spelled the same, not pronounced the same, uh, as Strong's 5784, Ur, which means chaff. So I, I was kind of having some thoughts as, okay, the skin being like the chaff, we've got to shed it to get to the true seed, uh, the spirit. But I, I didn't really go too much deeper into that. I just, I, and I'll just throw that out there at you. That's, that's pretty much all I'm doing with that. Now, clothed, Yahweh Elohim made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. So God is the one who clothed them. So I wanted to look up this word too. And it's Strong's Concordance number 3847, Lawbash. Uh, it can also be pronounced uh, Lawbash. Properly, it means to wrap around. By implication, it means to clothe or to put on a garment. But really what this word means is wrap around something. And the word picture here, so God is the one who wrapped them up uh, in this clothing, in the covenant, in the sacrifice, in the blood sacrifice. God's the one who wrapped them up. And in this word, meaning clothe or wrap around, Lamed Bet Sheen, the interpretation I came up with was to teach or urge toward the house of El Shaddai. So God is the one clothing them here. He's, it's an indication he's pushing us forward. He's trying to get us back into the house. He's urging us. He's prodding us. He's pleading with us. Please come back to my house. Be one with me again. So, there's not much more I had to this today. Just a few simple thoughts out there. Um, to someone, this might be the most amazing piece we've ever had. I, you know, I don't want to treat it like uh, 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 this was nothing today. But I just kind of felt like there were just some simple... In, in the wordplay here, in, in the meanings... There was just simple confirmation that we're still loved. Uh, Adam and, and Kava have sinned. They've separated themselves with their sin. God is still caring for them. Right off the bat, he's just chastised them. The very first thing he does, the very first thing he acts upon is to show them that the sacrifice has been made by him. And, and he will still cover them. He will still protect them. He still loves them, and he's made the way for them uh, prophetically through Jesus, but in the physical here through the act of clothing them. The ultimate example of tough love. <laughs> oh, whoa. So I guess I don't have much more to it than that. It's just, it's kind of poetry. I guess this is the best way to say it. It's just simple, delicate, and, and just lovely, uh, the, these two verses right here. 
I don't know. Anything else you want to throw out there, Brad? No, I. that's what I was thinking. I was thinking just from these two verses, you're right. I was thinking it's with the word pictures that you gave and, and the thoughts, I was seeing like an epic poem going on, a tragedy. But yeah, but I that's what I was seeing in my head. So it's just funny that you said that because um, that's what I was thinking. This is like a poem, like a epic tragedy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, fortunately, it's a tragedy at this moment, but we know the end result. And I guess this, uh, is this a good place to stop? Sure. All right. Yeah. So, again, knowing the end result, we thank you, God. We thank you for this, this picture that we need to understand we are sinners, but we're loved and we're not given up. And we've screwed up and we've separated ourselves, but you have never walked away. You have always provided and you will provide. As always, this is Scott. And this is Brad. And this is not about us.